I love music. I love the way it awakens my heart um, to life. And uh, this morning, uh, as we work with step 10, which the whole idea of step 10 is to admit your wrongdoings quickly, uh, to be quick, to confess, to own, take responsibility for wrongdoing and how you've hurt somebody else. And I'm going to work this morning with a movie called Grand Torino. How many of you have seen the Clint Eastwood movie? Great movie. Uh, the whole storyline is very powerful. And the song that I want to start out with is the, th is the theme song that Jamie uh, Cull uh, Cullman sings. I want you to listen to the words. It's a haunting uh, sort of song, but it's the idea of how this Grand Torino that was uh, almost stolen, uh, kind of a prized possession of an older man, that, that old car, you know, like your old Mustang, your old Camaro, your old Grand Torino um, was almost stolen. And in the midst of the anger of having his car stolen, he is redeemed um, by understanding more of the life and the plight of the young man who was being pushed into gang uh, life that attempted to steal his Grand Torino. Symbol is greater than reality. The reality of a car, it's just a car. But the symbolic nature of that can remind us of our whole life. You know, I want you to listen to the words of this and may it open you to what God has for us this morning. May you hear the voice of God. <laughs> Words are on the back of your notes. Realign all the stars above my head. The warning signs travel far, I drink instead on my own, oh, how I've known battle scars and worn out beds. Gentle now, tender breeze blows, whispers through the Grand Torino, whistling in another tired song. Engines hum, bitter dreams grow, hard locked in the Grand Torino, beats a lonely rhythm all night long. These streets of old, they shine with the things I've known, and breaks through the trees. Sparkling the world is nothing more than all the tiny things you've left behind. So tenderly, the story is nothing more than what you see, what you've done will become. Standing strong, you alone. 
Signs travel far, drink instead on my own. Oh, how I've known battle scars and out beds. Gentle out, tender breeze blows, whispers through the whistling another child's song. Engines hum, bitter dreams grow, heart locked in the Grand Torino, beats a lonely rhythm all night long, beats a lonely rhythm all night long. It beats a lonely rhythm all night Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. The haunting nature of that song cries out for a better day, a better life. You know, all of us as men pretty much have, have been in, in that first car uh, and we thought, man, we're free now. We got it. Got my car, my Volkswagen Beetle burned the engine up in two of those suckers. Uh, cause I couldn't remember to put gas and oil in it at the same time. Uh, Papa wasn't too happy about that, but man, being in that car in many ways, uh, it was the freest that I ever felt at that time in my life. To me, that was the gospel. To me, that was freedom. I've arrived. Grand Torino, 
And yet we know that it takes a whole lot more than a car to make us happy. We realize uh, that the car is not the answer. This morning, we continue uh, walking our way through the 12 steps. And we're at step 10. Step 10, continued, continued, continued every day to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, and as I was corrected this morning, and when we are wrong, when we is wrong, we promptly admit it, quick to admit wrongdoing. You know, when we step back, when I step back from this 10th step, this is, a, this is an amazing step. Um, this is moving into, Jeff, put, put the overview up. Um, this is moving into what is called maintenance. Um, you know, we've worked our way through anchoring ourselves, our life in, in uh, peace with God. Uh, we spent four weeks or longer uh, on working on ourselves. The last couple of weeks, we focused on others. And now it's a deeper sense of maintaining the ground that we've been able to achieve by working through the first nine steps. And what's being said here is that if you really want to be serious about staying sober, really growing, that what you do is you practice, practice step 10. I want you to pick up your pen and let's go to work deliberately and intentionally. And I have three questions for you. First, first question that I want to ask you is what three disciplines are most important in maintaining your faith? What three disciplines would you say are most important to you in maintaining your faith? I've got to be in church every Sunday morning. I, I, ho I hope that's part of your discipline. I've got, I've got to get food for my soul from God's Word daily, spiritual discipline. I'm reading God's Word, meditating on God's Word. My Bible looks like an old baseball glove. I've taped it, glued it. That's what I want you to be able to say. I pray what are the three disciplines that you know that you've got to be engaged in to maintain your faith? Now, again, in, this, in that first question, in the AA framework, as a guide for spiritual growth, what they're saying is, is the critical piece of maintaining your personal growth is to be quick to admit wrongdoing. Wow. That, that you are assessing daily how you fail to love, how you hurt people, that you're in no way minimizing. 
you, uh, you're wrong. Don't you don't get ashamed when somebody calls you out on something. You're just amazed. They didn't call you out on five other things because you're a lot worse than they even think you are. But no, many of us are so prideful. Somebody calls us out and we get offended. You know, we, we can't go there because it puts us in such a deep shame. It is so sad to see godly men who fail and can't admit their wrongdoing because that pride has taken root and it will take a godly man out. If the enemy cannot uh, get you to do the bad things, he will get you doing so many good things that you start taking pride in that. And then when you fall and you can't admit your wrongdoing, he's got you. He's got you. Admitting wrongdoing has got to be a part of our discipline to keep us on track. Is it yours? Did you include that in your three? Second question. What behavior of yours is most irritating to those you love? What behavior of yours is most irritating to those that you love? Now, if you can't answer that question, just, just write that question down and ask your wife later today. She'll help you. She'll help you. Ask your kids. You know, my wife gets so irritated at me, and she actually accuses me of trying to control her. I, I mean, I, I don't understand that. I mean, I mean, I, it, I mean, it's ridiculous, Jeff. I mean, it's totally ridiculous, you know? I mean... I'm going to start watching her because I don't want her to get hit out in the street. I don't want her to wander out because I think she's going crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, she'll be here at the end of August uh, for our annual Carla session, so y'all can ask her. Um, I, I mean, I would never try to control her. I mean, that would be silly. And then, and then, and then my girls are consistently telling me, Daddy, you seem to give everybody else the best of you, and you don't give us anything. Oh. You know, I'm going to have them uh, psychologically evaluated uh, here soon. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about them, you know. I, I think there's something wrong with me, with me. Guys, staying tenderhearted and open to feedback that says that we are failing is not easy, is it? That's what men do, real men. Real men admit their wrongdoing. Stupid men, foolish men, arrogant men, prideful men push back on that. You got a booger on the end of your nose. No, I don't. No, I don't. I mean, you know, that kind of crazy stuff. 
admit our wrongdoing. How hard is it? How hard is it to be in a relationship and things aren't going well and, and you can stop blaming and criticizing the other person and start owning what your part is because there's always two shovels in the hole. You've heard me say that before. Always, always. I, you know, I shared that uh, last week about having my TV stolen um, and things, you know, and, and again, I, I was making the point even last week, there's always responsibility on your part, even when it appears that you are a complete victim. Okay, let's work with that for a minute. Now, I could easily lobby for you to believe that I was a complete victim in that situation, Right. I mean, I was gone, out of town all week. I get back, my TV's gone, my leaf blower's gone, and the remote to my fireplace is gone. They actually thought they had the remote to the TV. So let's try to turn the TV on with that, you know. I was a complete victim, right? No, never a complete victim. You know, stupid here, should have had it locked up, locked down. Uh, somehow, lock your doors. I know I live in Fairhopia. I thought the bad guys had not found out about Fairhopia. But I think they found it. They found it. And so I was irresponsible and naive to think that I could just leave my stuff out and nobody would take it. That's what kids do. You remember when you were a kid and your mama told you to go, go back, get your toys, and bring them back in? And if you didn't, the neighborhood kids would take it. Well, take responsibility. What's your part? Number three, third question. To whom do you need to admit wrongdoing? Who comes to your mind? Dear Jesus, may your Holy Spirit bring to mind those that we have wronged. To whom do you need to admit wrongdoing? Sunday is Mother's Day. When was the last time, those of you who still have your mothers alive, when was the last time that you really told mama that you loved her and that you're sorry? for what a brat you were and how hard it was. What are you going to do with your wife? She's the mother of your children. Are you going to honor her? I would invite you to write a letter to your wife and to your mother if she's still around. And even if she's not around, writing a letter to her can be healing to you even if she is dead and gone. And there is something very cleansing, very holy, very godly, and very necessary to call ourselves faith men, Jesus followers, kingdom builders, about admitting our wrongdoing. That's just critical. I should have turn over to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33. 
again, you know, God is preparing his people. He's giving them framework of how to live life. Ezekiel, um, the book of metaphors. Um, and in Ezekiel chapter 33, starting with verse 12, I'm going to do 12 through 15. Son of man, give your people this message. The good works of righteous people will not save them if they turn to sin, nor will the sins of evil people destroy them if they repent and turn from their sins. Wow. I mean, if that's not an incredible beginning to understand the gospel, your good works aren't going to save you, and your bad works won't destroy you because there's something more. When I tell righteous people that they will live, but then they sin expecting their past righteousness or past good deeds to save them, then none of their good deeds will be remembered. I will destroy them for their sins. And suppose I tell some wicked people that they will surely die, but then they turn from their sins and do what is just and right. For instance, they might give back a borrower's pledge, return what they've stolen, and obey my life-giving laws, no longer doing what is evil. If they do this, then they will surely live and not die. None of their past sins will be brought up again, for they have done what is just and right, and they will surely live. Admitting our wrongdoing, not just kind of stockpiling good deeds, but we are engaged in a very incarnational, relational gospel. Think about that. Are you going to tell me that the gospel is piling up a bunch of good deeds? Or are you going to tell me that the gospel is more about connecting to a holy God, being in relationship with other people, and it's about connection? That's the gospel. And the best way to seek connection to a broken relationship is taking responsibility for your part. You can't be responsible for the other person's part. But you start admitting your part. Now, I know, you know, we admit our part, and then we look over like, and it's crickets. They don't say, well, thank you for admitting your part. Well, my part is this. That would be nice. But what if they don't? What if they don't? And that often happens for different reasons, all kinds of different reasons. They're full of shame. They're arrogant. They're prideful. But you admit your part. That is dying to self. And that's what Jesus said. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, and I've got verse 12 listed there, but I'm going to uh, read through uh, verse 13, 12 and 13. If you think you're standing strong, be careful. 
for you too may fall into the same sin. Again, never criticize, never blame. But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give into it. There's always a way out. And you've done the same thing, if not worse, than what others have done. Others have experienced. And any time that you have this crazy thought in your mind, well, I've never done that, or I would never do that, boy, you better step on your own toe. Just stomp it. Slap yourself in the face because you are delusional. We have all done at least what has been done to us, if not worse. And so why are you going to be so upset with what another person is doing when you've done just as bad? And that is, that is the journey of humility. I in no way am I minimizing how you have been wronged. Yeah, you've been wronged. I, I would acknowledge that. But the way to get over that wrong is not justice. It is humility, and it is grace. And you go and admit your wrongdoing. It is hard, but that's the gospel. I you to turn over uh, to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Again, I love this passage because Jesus um, is getting ready to die on the cross, and he takes his disciples um, into the garden, and he just asks them to pray. This is my moment. Guys, you're my team. Can I, can I really trust you to stand with me? Please stand with me. I'm going to start with verse 35. He, he went on a little further and fell face down on the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will, not mine. Jesus is in agony, but his team is praying for him. He knows they're supporting him. So he goes back. He says he returned and found the disciples asleep. Are you kidding me? You guys are starting to get on my nerves. You know, I've been with you for three years, and I just ask you, I ask you, ever felt like that you've asked somebody to do something and they go to sleep on you? A little irritating. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Of course, you know, asking Peter if he's asleep is like asking little Johnny if he's been in the chocolate. Johnny, did you get in mama's chocolate? No, not me. Of course he's asleep. Again, God always uh, tends to ask us questions when he wants us to own our part. Do you think Jesus couldn't figure out if he was asleep? I mean, Jesus knew he was asleep, but he says, are you asleep? What's going to be the response? 
Here's Peter at the crossroads. Which way is Peter going to go? As Yogi Berra said, when you come to the crossroads, take it. Are you asleep? Couldn't you stay awake and watch with me even one hour? And here it is. Message to you, message to Peter, message to us. Keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing enough, the body is weak. I am weak. I am weak. Turn over to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Can't read this passage and go through step. Uh, cannot not read this passage in going through step 10. Verse 7 of chapter 1 of 1 John. But if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ is, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. Turn on the light and see yourself. What is my part? You know, I've said to you before, I've never had a couple come into my office that's in crisis and one of the spouses, the, let's, let's say the wife, says, you know, he's driving me crazy. He keeps admitting his wrongdoing, and he is driving me crazy. He's so humble. He, he keeps owning every problem and every way he's hurt me. He's driving me crazy. He's so irritating. I've never had that happen. And I'm thinking, you know, Dude, if you would start owning what you're doing, even if she's not, it'll save you a lot of money. But I'm not going to tell him that. That would be bad for business. That would be stupid. You know? So that's just our little secret right there. Guys, <clears throat> this whole step 10, quick quick to admit my part always. It's a new life. So if I really want to be living life differently in the gospel, then I've got to be more verbal. The way God has set up um, the gospel, it is an incarnational talking paradigm. You've got to talk. Some of you guys swallowed your tongue, your spiritual tongue years ago. You're the strong, silent type. Well, cough it back up and start using it. You've got to talk. Sign over ownership of your life. Your life belongs if you say you're a Jesus follower to somebody else greater than you, and his name is Jesus. Surrender. Surrender. I want to show you Walt and introduce you to Walt. And Walt is the main character in the Gran Torino movie. The storyline of the Gran Torino movie is Walt has lost his wife. Uh, he's a Korean War uh, veteran. And at the beginning of the story, he's burying his wife. He's now a widower. 
and he's a cantankerous, awful guy. He would be one of those guys that would be a hassle to have as a neighbor because uh, he's cantankerous, he's rude and crude. Um, and these Asian uh, families move in next to him, and he has nothing for them. And the gang members actually force the young uh, boy in the uh, Asian family to join the gang, and they put him up to stealing Walt's Grand Torino. How do you think that's going to work? And Walt catches him, and he brings out that Korean rifle, and he's holding it in his face. He's going to blow his head off. But he does it. Come to find out, Walt finds out that this boy is being pressured by the gang. And the boy starts working off his debt to Walt for trying to steal his gun. Uh, lots more happens, and there's a tragedy that happens, and Walt's going to take care of it. But Walt's going to sacrifice his life for the sake of Asians that he had nothing for at one time but he develops an affection and love for them. So he's getting ready to do something very brave. But before he does that, he needs to admit his wrongdoing. Now, this is not exactly how we would draw it up on the blackboard. It's kind of funny the way he does it, but it is Walt's rude, crude attempt to admit his wrongdoing. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to be engaged. Watch this. What can I do for you, Mr. Kowalski? I'm here for a confession. Oh, Lord Jesus, what have you done? Nothing. You just take it easy now. <laughs> what are you up to? Are you going to give me a confession or not? How long has it been since your last confession? Oh, forever. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. What are your sins, my son? Well, in 1968, I kissed Betty Jablonski at the factory Christmas party. Dorothy was in the other room with the other wives. It just happened. Yes, go on. Well, I made a $900 profit selling a boat and a motor. I didn't pay the taxes. It's the same as stealing. Yes, fine. Oh, lastly, I was never very close with my two sons. I don't know them. I, I didn't know how. That's it? That's it. It's, oh, it's bothered me most of my life. Say ten Hail Marys and five Our Fathers. God loves you and forgives you. I absolve you of all your sins. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Padre. Are you going to retaliate for what happened to Sue? I'm going over to that house today, Mr. Kowalski. Is that so? It is. And every other day until you see the folly in what you're planning. Busy day. Gotta go. 
Go in peace. Oh, I am at peace. <laughs> Nothing like seeing Dirty Harry in a confessional. Uh, it's not exactly the way we would write up on the blackboard, but that's my point. You don't have to be perfect, but you've got to be engaged. You've got to admit your part. And what we want to do is make everybody responsible for our sin and keep waiting on them to do something. Take the initiative. Admit your wrongdoing. It's something that happens daily. <clears throat> Every day we get up and we need to be anchored. We, we need to know that we're powerless to control life and others, and we need to keep doing an inventory. And then we're ready for the day's work. I want to show you this final um, scene in the movie. Again, Walt, as cantankerous as he is, realizes this gang are the evil guys, and they're driving this little Asian family that he was irritated by initially that he now loves and cares for. And this gang, this Korean gang, Asian gang, are the bad guys. And he's going to sacrifice his life. It's a picture of Jesus. Now, this is kind of funny in some ways because either Jeff did his job today or this will be the last morning that we meet at C Spire. Um, because there's some pretty rough language in this. And uh, Jeff told me that there's 23 bleeps in this. Now, either Jeff did a good job of bleeping uh, 23 times or we'll be in the Kroger parking lot next week. So watch this. That's right, a new record. Watch this. Shut up, Goop. I got nothing to say to you. Shrimp midget like you. Yeah, yeah. You go ahead and watch out for your boyfriend. If it was either he or you or someone who raped one of their own family. Your own blood, for Christ's sake. Now go ahead and pull those pistols like miniature cowboys. Go ahead. So where's Tao at? That don't worry about Tao. Tao's got not one second for you. Seth Pope. <laughs> you gonna do, old man? <laughs> you gonna do, old man? <laughs> kind of jumpy, aren't we? Shut the You shut the Light the f 
I've got a light. You need to step back. He's a friend of mine. He said step back. Hey, hey, did you hear him? Step back. What happened? Hey, step back. It's the guy. He's my friend. Officer Chang, get those people back. Hey. Greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friend. When somebody's willing to admit they're wrong that they've done to you, that's easy. But when you've been wronged, legitimately so, and that person, for whatever reason, doesn't know how, will not, cannot, won't not, shamefully unable to, admit their wrongdoing? Can you admit your wrongdoing? I can't control Carla. All I can do is take responsibility for me, admit my wrongdoing, own my part, be quick to own my part, pray that others will reciprocate, but if they don't, I keep owning my part. And if I do that, I am on a path 
of healing and growth. Quick to admit wrongdoing. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for our time this morning. Thank you that you've given us a paradigm that works. It works in the way that it brings us peace and joy, but we have to admit it doesn't work the way we would like it to work. It is not a paradigm that we can manipulate others in. But Father, I thank you for the joy that comes to me by surrendering my life to you. You know best. I acknowledge that afresh. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.